Amen. Good morning, everybody. It is morning for me, actually. I've been up since about 2 o'clock. I got home at, uh, what time did I get home? About 8 in the morning. Went to sleep at, um, by 9 anyway, 9 or 10. Woke up about 2 and uh, had to get ready for this. So it's good. And I'm going straight from here to work again, so pray for me tonight. Because <laughs> I stay busy just like Brother John. Okay. I have a message tonight I want to preach called The Burden of Control. The Burden of Control. We're going to be in the book of Daniel. Daniel, maybe not for the reason you think, but Dan- Daniel's a very, uh, very great book. But let's, let's not play favorites. There's, there's 66 great books in the Bible, amen? And uh, every single one has its own purpose. But we're going to be in the book of Daniel. We're going to be in chapter 4. That's where we're going to be. And I have... Uh, a lesson I want to teach tonight. Again, this is called The Burden of Control. We're going to talk a little bit about control. We're going to talk a lot about faith. And we're going to talk about burdens. And not just what they are and how they impact us, but what God wants you to do with them. Because there's very biblical, there's very, very, very good biblical lessons as to what you should, what you should do with burdens. And if we just follow God's word, if we just follow the life that God wants us to live, you'd be amazed how the skies just clear up and everything in your path just gets out of the way for you. But we spend so much time kind of trying to swim upstream. You know, we spend our whole lives trying to swim upstream, and it's not necessary. You know, our flesh wants to do that. But God says there's a better way. So we're going to read in Daniel chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 19. I'm going to read a pretty good chunk of the chapter here. But this is... a Framework, this is about Nebuchadnezzar. Has anyone ever seen, uh, as an aside, anyone ever seen VeggieTales? Yeah? Amen? VeggieTales? I remember seeing it back, geez, it had to be like 20 years ago when I watched it for the first time. It was uh, David versus Goliath. But instead of Goliath, they had like the giant pickle. That was the giant pickle. And I remember there's another episode of, uh, they have Nebuchadnezzar, who is also like a giant pickle. So I don't know what the Bible, what VeggieTales has, but it seems that anytime there's a bad guy or an imposing figure, it's always a giant pickle. It's their, their common theme. Um, but my mom sent me a, a VeggieTales DVD for my, my son. Amen. So thank you, Mom. Hope you're watching. And uh, it'll be cool to see uh, what, he, what he thinks of it. He'll probably love it. But this is about Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon. And one of the best-known things that he did, at least in the Bible, was he ransacked Jerusalem twice. And um, you remember back in the days of David and, and Saul and, and David's son Solomon when Israel actually had peace, which was a time of prosperity for Israel in the Promised Land? Solomon built the temple. Well, Nebuchadnezzar burnt it to the ground. That's what eventually happened. And God allowed it to happen. This wasn't like, you know, surprise. No, this, this, was, this, was, <laughs> this was a long time coming. You read through some of the Old Testament prophets. They, they warned Israel. And they warned Jerusalem over and over and over again. Turn from your wicked ways and repent, or else you're going to reap the the penalties. So Nebuchadnezzar uh, came in and actually ransacked Jerusalem. He burnt the temple to the ground, captured most of uh, the city, and brought them back in captivity to Babylon. And this book of Daniel is written as Daniel's in captivity in Babylon. So we're going to read uh, about this vision that Nebuchadnezzar has. Nebuchadnezzar has a vision, and Daniel was well known because he could tell Nebuchadnezzar what his dreams meant. 
And uh, many people tried to tell Nebuchadnezzar what his dreams meant. It didn't work out so well for him. A lot of them ended up dead, ended up in the furnace, ended up God knows where. But Daniel had the gift of prophecy. He could tell Nebuchadnezzar what his dreams meant. So here in verse 19, we're going to read one of those visions and uh, Daniel's interpretation, and we'll see what happens. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was astonished for one hour, and his thoughts troubled him. The king spake and said, Belteshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation thereof trouble thee. Belteshazzar answered and said, My lord, the dream be to them that hate thee, and the interpretation thereof to thine enemies. The tree that thou sawest, which grew and was strong, whose height reached unto the heaven, and the sight thereof to all the earth, whose leaves were fair, and the fruit thereof much, and in it was meat for all, under which the beasts of the field dwelt, and upon whose branches the fowls of the heaven had their habitation. It is thou, O king, thou art grown and become strong, for thy greatness is grown, and reacheth unto heaven, and thy dominion to the end of the earth. And whereas the king saw a watcher and unholy one coming down from heaven, and saying, Hew the tree down and destroy it, yet leave the stump of the roots thereof in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass, in the tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beasts of the field, till seven times pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my lord the king, that they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and they shall wet thee with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over thee, till thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men." And giveth it to whomsoever he will. And whereas they commanded to leave the stump of the tree roots, thy kingdom shall be sure unto thee, after that thou shalt have known that the heavens do rule. Whereof, O king, let my counsel be acceptable unto thee, and break off thy sins by righteousness, and thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor, if it may be a lengthening of thy tranquility. All this came upon the king Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of twelve months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. The king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from thee. And they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and seven times shall pass over thee, until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. The same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from men, and did eat grass as oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till his hairs were grown like eagle's feathers, and his nails like bird's claws. Amen. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for this passage. Uh, Thank you for this vision. Thank you for the book of Daniel. Thank you for your word, God. Uh, Thank you for everyone here tonight. I pray, Lord, that we would be able to hear from you tonight, Lord, that any message that comes out of me would just be your words, uh, what you would mean for us to hear. I pray, Lord, that we can all gain something from it, that we can all be better off for hearing it. And I just pray, Lord, that your word would do its work tonight in this place. In Jesus' name I ask, amen. Amen. So what happened here? Nebuchadnezzar has this vision. Daniel tells him, you see in verse 19, he's kind of scared to say what's going to happen. He says, uh, Daniel is uh, astonished for an hour and his thoughts troubled him. The king finally says after an hour, well, Daniel, just out with it. Tell me what's going to happen. And Daniel says, basically, uh, you're going to go crazy. (laughs) You're going to run around like a wild animal Uh, for seven years. You're going to eat grass out of the field. You're going to be like a feral beast. And Nebuchadnezzar kind of accepts it and says, okay, 
A year passes, and then it actually happens. You see, it's not until verse 28 that this thing actually kickstarts and goes. So Daniel gives him the vision, gives him the prophecy, says what's going to happen. A year passes, and then it happens. So Nebuchadnezzar was warned about this, but what happened? You know, this is, this is Nebuchadnezzar. This is, this is a king, all right? And not just any king. This is a man who had the kingdom of Babylon. And in those days, Babylon was the most powerful kingdom anywhere in the world, okay? I mean, he went to places. He went to Israel. He went to Egypt. Wherever he went, his armies destroyed whatever they felt like destroying. They captured whoever they felt like capturing. They laid waste and siege to so many cities. And you see in verse uh, 30 here, he says, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? See, God waited until he just got to that right crescendo of pride. And what did God do? Cut his legs out from under him. And I want to talk about this because we want to talk about control tonight and the burden of control. See, I think someone like Nebuchadnezzar is someone who had so much so much confidence in the fact that he controlled his own destiny. You think about it. You think about the armies he had at his command. You think about the kingdom he had. You think about the fact that he could go anywhere he wanted and conquest any people he wanted. But was he really in control? He may have thought that, but was that actually the reality? Would you have said the same thing to him when he's running around like a wild beast eating grass and the the rest of his kingdom is kind of scratching their heads saying, uh... I'm not sure what's going on with the king <laughs> these days. This is, what I want you, this is what I want you to take from this. Your life is out of your hands, whether or not you choose to believe it. Okay? Whether or not you choose to believe it. So, listen, I have, I have choices I can make, right? I can choose what I'm going to wear today. I can choose what I'm going to do tomorrow. I can choose what I'm going to have for dinner. But choices and control are not the same thing. Let me ask you, how many of you can be certain you're going to be around for your next birthday? Can you say that with any guarantee? Can you say that with any amount of confidence? I mean, obviously we hope we are, right? We hope we're here for our loved ones and our families, but what guarantees do we have that we're going to be around a year from now? We don't have any guarantees. And the reason we don't have any guarantees is because we're actually not in control. We're not even in control of our own lives. Control is an illusion, and it's an illusion that the world wants you to believe. Because if you listen to the wisdom of the world, they're going to tell you, you control your own destiny, you can be anything you want to be, whatever you dream you can do, you can accomplish. I'm not saying you can't do those things, but you can only do those things if God allows it. If God doesn't allow it, it ain't happening. If God doesn't allow you to make it to your next birthday, you're not going to see your next birthday. But if you're saved, you'll be in heaven, and that'll be, that'll be a nice present as it is. So uh, that's okay. But listen, I want you to keep this in mind. Okay, control is an illusion. Desiring to have control is the opposite of having faith. Let me say that again. Control is an illusion. Desiring to have control is the opposite of having faith. Because if I want to control everything about my life, my job, my career, my relationships, my family, my health, my finances, if I want to control down to the last minutia every detail of my life, I don't have faith in God. Because what I'm trying to do through enacting that control is I'm trying to say, God, hold on. Like, you're great, but I, I, I need to do this myself. I don't need you to get in the way. I have my own plan. I'm going to make it work. So desiring to have that control is the opposite from going God's way. Because God wants to call these shots for you. God wants to say, 
will you just admit to me, the living God, that your life is in my hands? You can only do what I'm going to allow you to do. And instead of you trying to control everything, just give it up. Trust me that I'm going to do it better than you can anyway. But how hard is that? Like every fiber of our being, at least for me, like wants to fight that because we, we want to carve out our own way. You know, from a young age, you're taught, you envision these, these hopes and dreams, you know. Maybe it's getting married someday, buying the big house someday, having the dream career, starting your own business, whatever it is. Well, that's all well and good, but it's only well and good if it aligns with what God wants for you. And even as you imagine these dreams, as good as they might be, I promise you, I promise you, whatever God has for you is still better than the best you can imagine for yourself. It's still better than the best you can imagine. So even if I can imagine myself having this successful business and a perfect family and great kids and a, a, nice, a nice house on the hilltop with a pool in the backyard, maybe not the pool, I'm not much for that. But God still has something better for me. I know that. I know that. Because he knows me better than I know myself. Because he created me. Right? Like, how can I say to God, like, hold on, God, you don't know me all that well. <laughs> how foolish is that? God made us. The Bible says God knew every hair on your head before he even conceived you, before you were even born. He knew every hair on your head. That means he knows everything about you. So listen, control is an illusion. And if we try to maintain it and harness it, we're only going to be impeding our own faith. And we're going to be stopping our faith from growing. I like doing illustrations. I got a couple of them tonight. We may not go to, go to all of them because my, my notes are a little long. But here's one illustration, okay? I want you to imagine a, um, any, anybody like fishing? Fishing? Oh, a lot of hands, okay. All right, imagine uh, like old school fishing, like rowboat, fishing rod, you're on a pond. Nice, nice you know, quiet day. You're like 100 miles away from civilization. So there's nothing in the way to impede your enjoyment of just fishing. Nice, quiet, quiet lake, whatever. Little pond. You have your rowboat. You're by yourself. You got your packed lunch. You've already had your coffee. You're good to go. Um, just sitting out there, peaceful. Water is completely still. You hear the birds chirping. The skies are blue. Sun is shining. It's perfect weather. Okay. Now you would imagine that you're in control of that situation. Like you got your rowboat. You got your oars. I can go anywhere I want. But the reality is. You may feel like you're in control of your life, just like you sitting out on that pond in your rowboat with your oars. But the reality is, you're in a rowboat with your oars in the middle of the ocean. And God can send a storm whenever he wants to. God can send waves whenever he wants to. Wherever that boat's going to go, you can fight as much as you want against the current, but if God sends a current strong enough, it's taking you. <laughs> it's going to take you where God wants you to go. And... If you're in the middle of the ocean with your rowboat and your oars, I want you to imagine having faith as throwing those oars, just taking them and just casting them aside into the ocean. And you just put up a sail. And you say, okay, God, you're in command. Take me where you're going to take me. I trust you. And think about how hard that is to do. Can you actually take everything about your life and put it in God's hands and just say to God, all right, you take care of it. I'm, I'm going to be hands off the wheel. <laughs> Can we actually live that way? And God wants us to. The Bible calls us to do that. But it's hard because we have to take our hands off the controls. We have to take our hands off planning um, that roadmap for our lives, right? But think about this, okay? If you think about your life as a car, I, I heard this on the way in. It was really good. Um, first off, 
if you're going to wait for God, if you're going to try and give control of your life to God, it doesn't mean you just sit there and do nothing. <laughs> it doesn't mean you just give up and you sit on the couch. No, no, no. Even when you're waiting on God, you're still active. You're still working for God. You're still pursuing uh, bettering yourself and your faith. But if you think of your life as a car, you're trying to go from point A to point B, okay? God can steer a car if it's moving. He can't steer a car if it's parked. So you at least have to have your, your wheels turning a little bit. But think about it. There's, there's two possibilities for that car of yours. You can either be in control of it yourself, you and your sinful flesh, or you can let God be in control of it. But you know what's going to happen if you try to steer your life and control your life and steer that car yourself, you and your sinful flesh? What's going to happen is you're going to hit traffic jams. You're going to hit potholes. You're going to hit detours you didn't expect. You're going to hit things that are going to grind you to a halt, left and right, all the day long, over and over again. Because your sin and your sinful flesh are going to, they're barriers that you can't overcome. You know, just like we stumble here and there with our sin, in the road of life, that's going to impede your progress. If you're trying to get better and stronger in your faith, you trying to take the wheel gets in the way of that. If you let God take the wheel, you know what God does? He avoids those things for you. He avoids those potholes. He avoids the detours. God will come up with shortcuts you didn't even know were there because he knows how to get from A to B better than you ever could anyway. We just have to let him do it. We just have to let him do it. You know, we have a, we have a mindset of seeing... I'm standing on A, I want to get to B, right? That's the way we think, that's the way we map it out. Okay, how do I start moving from A to B? How do I get there? God doesn't even look at it that way. God's not even on B. God's on like C or D or E. God's way in the future of where you're going to go eventually, saying, well, silly, silly person, from a standpoint of B, here's how you get, from, here's how you get to B from A. I'm just going to pull you along. See, we try to do things opposite of God. You know, Proverbs 3, 5 says, what does it say? Trust in the Lord thy God, and lean not unto thine own understanding. Our ways are not God's ways, and thank goodness they're not, because our ways lead us where? Well, look at the world. If I, if I go up and down the block here and I ask 20 people, hey, uh, how do I get to heaven? How many answers am I going to get? How many of them are going to be right? How many of them are going to be, uh, you tell me, I don't know. <laughs> Probably a few. I mean, the world is so confused, and I feel like the world is getting more and more confused. You know, one thing that I know, this book doesn't change. I don't care how much the world changes, this book doesn't change. You know what's great about that? I can anchor myself to it. It's a solid rock. So don't give me your worldly wisdom, because in 10 years, you're going to give me different worldly wisdom. <laughs> it's not going to lead me anywhere. It's going to confuse me and lead me in circles. This book is going to be my roadmap. And God wants to be your roadmap, but you have to let him do it, okay? Control is a burden. Yeah, I, I want to call this message the burden of control. Control is a burden because it, it's kind of like the ultimate burden. Think of, think of some of the common burdens that we have in life. I'd say relationships, finances, jobs and careers, uh, health, right? Your kids or your spouse, I guess that falls in relationships, Maybe your in-laws. Maybe not. <laughs> but listen, we're going to deal with a lot of burdens, right? Control is kind of the ultimate burden because control means I'm trying to take all these burdens on my back and actually manipulate them and juggle them and, and keep them running the way I want them to run. 
You're not meant to live that way. You're not. And you wonder why people get burnt out and stressed. It's because they're trying to control everything. They're, they're not trying to do things God's way. They're trying to do things their own way, under their own power. If you don't follow the word of God, if you're not saved, and you try to go out there and just be all you can be, and you know what eventually happens to everybody? They get burnt out and they hit rock bottom. Sooner or later, you can't just go under your own strength till the end. You're not meant to. This whole life, you're meant to find out that God, whom you rely on, wants to take your hand and just lead you. But you have to let him do it. He will freely let you run on your own if, if that's what you're going to do. You know, that's the thing, is God will let you reject him if you want to. Could God force you to believe in him? Yeah. But God's not trying to make a heaven full of people that he forced to believe in him. God's trying to cultivate you and build character in you. And he does that by teaching you how to have proper faith in him, proper trust. Here's one, one to think about, okay? As we talk about God's plan for your life being the ideal plan. So I've mentioned before, you know, if, if I can think of my life going 1,800 different ways, the best way, like number one on that list, is God's way. Everything else is just some concoction that I can think of in my own time. And uh, it's pretty easy for us to come up with bunches and bunches and bunches of those, right? Get-rich-quick schemes and this and that. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go buy a bunch of cars and I'm going to start this business. Anyway, God's way is number one, right? God's plan for your life is the best plan for your life. We can agree with that because we have to trust God. So it would be far more reckless to not follow along with God's plan for your life than to do anything else. So even though me running on my own strength, trying to make my own way, seems like a reckless thing, the most reckless thing you could ever do is go against God's will for your life. Because <laughs> your life is in his hands. If you're not going to see your next, your next birthday, that's up to God. So because he has that control over me and my life, shouldn't I give him some reverence and respect? I should. And can't I show him reverence and respect by admitting to God all right, God, I acquiesce. Your plan for my life is the best plan. I want to give up all this stuff that I'm doing on my own. I just want to follow you. How do I do it? That's where God wants you to get. But think, think here's another illustration. I want you to imagine you're uh, down in like the Amazon jungle. Anybody ever seen the movie Anaconda? Yeah. <laughs> it's really not a Christian movie. I can't really recommend it at this point in my life. But uh, I bring it up because there's like giant man-eating snakes, Right? And it takes place in, like, the Amazon somewhere. Presumably, if you go 50 miles from the nearest city in Brazil, you can find these snakes that'll just eat you. I don't know if that's true, but in the movie, it was entertaining. Um, anyway, I want you to imagine being in that Amazon jungle, okay? And I want you to imagine that there's a way for you to get out. There's a way for you to get out. You find this train station, and it's a free ticket. It doesn't cost you anything. You get to board this train, and this train is nice. It's got like luxury upon luxury. It's like the Titanic became a train. It's got nice, nice booths, you know, gourmet meals, uh, plenty of room to sleep. You get like your own, your own train car to sleep in. Can you imagine that? It wouldn't happen. But this train's going to take you to paradise. It's free. All you have to do is get aboard. Um, you got to give up a few things. You know, the life you had in the wherever you were coming from, you have to leave that behind, get in the train. The train's going to take you to paradise. If that train represents God's plan for your life, anything else is like trying to hack and claw your way through the jungle alongside that train and trying to keep up. Like, I want to get to paradise, but I don't want to take the train that could take me there. I just want to do things my own way, and I have a machete, and I'm going to go cut myself through the jungle 
and fight wild beasts and snakes along the way. It, it doesn't make sense. But yet that's what most people choose to do. And why is that? Well, it comes down to control. I don't want to admit that I'm not in control of my life. Because if I get on that train, I can't control where it's going. Just like when you get on an airplane, you can't control where it's going. I mean, it's supposed to go where it's supposed to go, right? But if the pilot has a, I don't know, some kind of midlife crisis and turns it somewhere else, <laughs> that's where you're going, right? And we think and we want to believe that we have control over ourselves and our destiny, but we don't. You don't. So stop trying to make your life into something God doesn't want it to be. Defer to God. Let his plan for your life become your plan for your life. And I can promise you, if you can figure out how to do that, do you know how much less stressful your life is going to be? At first, it's going to be tough because you're learning to give up control. So when you start tithing and when you start doing all these things financially, like, it may not make sense for your bank account. But that's where the trust comes in. Like, do you trust God to provide for you? Has he provided for you up until this point in your life? Yes. Is there any reason to believe that he can't provide for you? Well, ask yourself, what do you actually have? I got the clothes on my back and whatever's at my house, some junk in the closet, I mean, whatever. What does God have? God has everything. <laughs> who needs to provide for who here, right? We're reliant on God, and we need to admit that. My next meal doesn't, probably doesn't even come from my fridge. It probably comes from whatever God drops in my lap tonight. But, I mean, I work at Wegmans, so there's food everywhere. <laughs> Such things happen. Um, but if we want to give up control, that burden of control, how do we do it? And I, I want to follow up Daniel chapter 4 with this because there's some, great, there's some great instruction in the Bible. Okay, And I want you to take this to heart because it's a lifelong journey to learn how to live God's way. Like, I don't know if any of us are ever going to get all the way there, but the closer we get, the better it gets. The more you trust in God, the less you worry. The more you trust in God, the happier you're going to be. Those, those two things go hand in hand. And all it takes is you giving up control over certain things in your life. You know, I may not know uh, where I'm going to work in the next 10 years. I may not know where I'm going to live in the next five years. But that's okay. If I trust that God's going to give me exactly what I need, what could be better than that? And the answer is nothing good. So even if God's not going to bless me with a 10,000-square-foot house with 50 cars in the garage, God knows that wouldn't be good for me anyway. You think I'm a jerk now. How would I be if I, if I got all that? Hopefully you don't think I'm a jerk now. But, but listen, like God is interested in your character because your character is pretty much the only thing you're actually going to take into heaven. You're not taking your bank account. You're not taking your house. You're not taking your cars. You're not taking your... You name it, whatever possession you have, you're not taking it into heaven. But your character, the, the person, the soul within you that's been tempered by the fire, you're going to take that. And that's what God wants to work on. God wants to refine you into being someone who deserves to be in heaven, someone who can properly appreciate God for who he is. Okay? So let's go over some instructions for what God says on, on how to give up control. And you can, you can flip to these if you want, but I have them written down for, for easy, easy access. Uh, Psalm 55, 22. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. Psalm 55, 22. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he 
shall sustain thee. What is God saying? God's saying your burdens, all those things that swim in your head, those things that keep you up at night that you can't sleep, or in my case, keep me up during the day so I can't sleep, God says, give them to me. You're trying to solve problems you're not meant to solve. It's no wonder you can't sleep. There's no answer within your own head. Stop looking for one. Give it to God. 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Jesus says, I care for you. Everything that you're worried about, everything that you're caring about, cast it upon me. Jesus wants to take it from you. He doesn't want you to slept through life with it tied to your back. He wants to lift it from you so you can be liberated, so you can be free. That's one of the things that he promises. And this is Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. And these are the words of Jesus. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew eleven twenty eight twenty nine thirty. 29, 30. Has anyone ever just felt like all you, all you wanted to do was just sleep? Like show of hands, like you get to a point in your life where it's like, I don't care about food. I don't care about going to the bathroom. I don't care about drinking water. I don't care about, no, I just want to sleep. I just want to rest. Or maybe it's not even sleep. Maybe you just want to sit on the couch and put your feet up for 10 minutes. And you want some quiet. You want the kids to just entertain themselves for a little bit, whatever it is, right? Or you don't want to go to school. You just would rather just sit there. And let me just take a half hour to myself and just rest. And if you've been there, that's what this is talking about. Our souls long for rest. <laughs> you know, we, we labor in this life. Why? Because we brought sin into the world. And that's the penalty that we, mankind faces is we have to labor by the sweat of our brow, all the days of our life, we're going to toil. And we're seeking rest. Heaven is the ultimate rest. But if you can figure out how to cast your burdens upon Jesus, you can have some of that rest. You can have like a preview of that rest right now. And it's great. <laughs> it's great. Um, how many of you would feel good walking a mile? You could walk a mile, right? Okay. Maybe you wouldn't feel good, but raise your hand if you could at least do it. You could. Mrs. Holdsworth, God bless you. you. All of us could do it, right? How about walking five miles? Eh, I mean, if I had to, right? like, what's the reward? What's in it for me? <laughs> I could have to if I had to do it. Okay. Now imagine you have a 100-pound military backpack strapped to your back, and I want you to walk that same mile. Could you do it? It would be tough. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be fun. It wouldn't be enjoyable. There would be nothing good about it, Right? I mean, no training, just here's a 100-pound military-grade backpack. Strap it on all your gear and just walk a mile. No, okay. You know what giving your burdens to the Lord is like? It's like walking that mile with that backpack strapped to your back, and halfway through, you get to take it off and just go. Can you imagine if you walked a half a mile with 100 pounds strapped to your back, and then you just dropped it by the, by the wayside? You know how fast you could run? You know how, you know how light you would feel? You wouldn't even feel like the same person. You'd feel like Usain Bolt in the Olympics, setting world records. You'd be like, oh, this, this is great. You'd probably walk 10 miles, you know? Casting your burdens aside is taking weight that you're not meant to bear and putting it where it's 
where it rightfully belongs, on the shoulders of God. God can bear your burden. God can handle your finances. God can work out your relationships. God can handle your job and your career and make a path for you. He can do all that. But you have to let him. You have to give him the control to do it. And I wish I knew a lot of these things much earlier in my life. I'd say I'm still relatively young, but I'm not that young. Um, I wasted so many years. I mean, I, I, I don't mind saying it up here. I wasted so many years because I just had it in my mind, like, I'm going to be this person. I'm going to do things my way. I'm going to run under my own strength. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be famous. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Like, it's so easy for young people to, to feel that way. And I think the world and what we're exposed to conditions us to feel that way. But it's all a lie. It is. Who you should be is who God wants you to be. It's simple. It, it may not be lavish and exciting, but who are you trying to impress? Are you trying to impress the world that doesn't care about you? Or do you want to impress God, your, your, your heavenly father, who is responsible for you and has your well-being in his hands? Let's get our priorities straight. Like, if I'm going to impress anybody, let it be God. I don't know if I can impress him. I, I, I can try. <laughs> but I know that he loves me. I know that he went to the cross for me. And out of respect for that, I think I owe him everything. I owe him more than everything. Because if not for God going to the cross for me, what's my ultimate fate? Well, Sunday, I'm going to hell. <laughs> I don't want that, you know? Do I deserve to go to heaven? No. But by his grace, he's allowed me to do that. It's like that free, that free train ride to paradise. All I have to do is get on board, you know? It's just hard for people to do that. I wish it wasn't. But listen, let's, let's figure out how we can cast some of our burdens upon the Lord. Cast them all. Again, your relationships, your health, your job, your finances, give it all to God. Let him chart the course for you. He knows the way. He can make a better way for you. And as we close tonight in prayer, I'm, I'm going to offer up a prayer that, uh, that I would pray. I mean, I, I, I tend to repeat the same kind of prayers sometimes because um, I think I get like a, something stuck in my head and I, the Bible says just keep asking for it. So just keep praying for it. But I'm going to pray, pray a prayer that uh, is about casting your burdens aside and giving them to the Lord. And I encourage you to follow along with me if it's something that you want to do um, because I can tell you even though I still try to control my life like to an embarrassing degree, little by little, I'm, I'm breaking off little pieces and giving them to God. Amen. And it is reducing my stress. And it is giving me much more hope for the future. And if I didn't have that, I can't imagine how stressed out I would be. I'd be just like anybody else out there. Stressed out, high-strung, hopeless, depressed, suicidal. I mean, you name it. That's where the world's going to lead you. So just like Jesus says here, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are so good to us, and we can't even possibly begin to imagine just how good you are to us. But Lord, I thank you for giving us your word. I thank you for giving us the promises of your word. And Lord, I, on behalf of everyone here tonight, I want to pray this prayer to give everyone an opportunity, Lord. Um, I know I've done a lot of things in my life 
that have gone against your will for my life. I know I've tried to control things, Lord, that I'm not meant to control. I know I've had to learn so many lessons the hard way where, Lord, you just you want me to cast those burdens to you. So, Lord, this prayer is for that. Um, Lord, any burdens I have about my finances and how we're going to make ends meet in the future, I don't want to worry about it, Lord. I want you to handle it. Will you please take it from me? Uh, Lord, I don't know if I'm going to be the best father, the best husband I can be. I want to try. Lord, my family relationships, will you please take those burdens from me and work them out for me, Lord? Teach me what I need to know and just use me as you would use me. Uh, Lord, my health, you know, I've been blessed. I thank you for keeping me up to this point. But Lord, it's in your hands. And Lord, I, I just, I raise it up to you. Please take that burden from me. Allow me not to worry about it. Allow me not to dwell on it. Allow me not to be fearful anxious or stressed about it, Lord, but allow me to trust in you that you're going to do exactly what you mean to do, and that's the best thing for me. And Lord, with my job and my career, you know, I've, I've had a lot of changes over the last few years. I don't know exactly where it's going. I can't see 10 years, 20 years down the road, but you do. And Lord, I just, I pray that you would lift the burden of me trying to make my own way. Would you take that burden from me? And would you just work things out as you would work them out? Would you just make the path, Lord, and allow me just to focus on serving you first and trusting you to do the rest? Lord, this, this race of life, I can't run under my own strength. And you say that your yoke is light, your burden is light, Lord. That's the only burden I want. So, Lord, just take these burdens off my shoulders. Take them off all of our shoulders, Lord, and just allow us to seek you first, to serve you first. And Lord, I know that if we do that, you promise that you will take care of the rest. So Lord, I love you. I thank you for going to the cross for me. I thank you for dying for me. I thank you for paying the penalty of sin for me, Lord. And I thank you for rising again in victory over death. Please take these burdens and give me that reprieve, Lord. Give me that rest, the rest for my soul that you promise. Allow me to just walk freely as a child of God with my only concern to serve you to the best of my ability. I thank you for this church. I thank you for everyone here. I thank you for this night. And Lord, I just want to say that I love you and I trust you. Please grow us in the future and increase us in faith that we may be better off for it. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Don't let the 
devil steal your life from the cares and stresses of life. Let's give it to God. Leave it at the altar. God, I leave it with you. May I never pick it up again. opportunity to be able to walk again and live for you. Whatever point we are in, whatever age we are, Lord, we have that opportunity. May we all take advantage of it as you have looked and given us mercy to walk again. Thank you, for, Father, for all you've done. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Rob, for that amazing message. Thank you. Amen. And I pray and hope you guys stay safe uh, in the storm. Um, any, uh, we're going to have our fellowship next Wednesday. Brother Paul, get with me with that. Um, let's see what we're going to do there. And uh, how many love the Chinese buffet Wednesday? That's what we called it. That was amazing. Chinese buffet Wednesday. Um, but we're going to plan something for next Wednesday. Brother Paul, thank you. give Brother Paul a hand. He, he does a lot with the... Uh, fellowships and all. Thank you, Brother Paul, for all that you do. I mean, Lord is, we have a lot of amazing people in this church. We, we do. And God has, is bringing out all the talents and at the same time growing everybody together, but bringing us together as a family. Amen. And we, we have such amazing people here. Uh, it's an amazing church, and we have yet to see the, our best days as a church, amen, and see the great works that God is going to do with all of us uh, together, amen, so nobody's left out here, God has a plan for you, so um, wait your turn, and, and you see what the gifts of the Holy Spirit of God has given you, and what he, how he's going to bring them out, amen, for this church, so God bless you, have a great week, I'll be praying for you, and uh, may Lord bless your walk with him. And don't forget to read your Bibles. Amen? Amen. Amen. And let go of that control. Thanks, Brother Rob, for that. It helped me.